Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton, and thank you for joining us again today. I love having podcasters on with me because one, we get to talk shop, but two, we get to take the conversation in a lot of different directions. And this guy is a podcast host. He is an administrator of a group on Facebook called Christian Podcast Guest. He does a lot of things around podcasting, but he's a great guy, has an incredible story to tell. And it's my honor to welcome in Eric Nevins to the Intentional Encourager podcast. Eric, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Brian. It's exciting to be here. I'm excited to have you because I wanted to start here with our conversation, Eric. A lot of people have taken the last 18 months or so since we've been in the midst. Now we're, we're pushing almost 20 months as we record this. Everybody has had a different perspective around it. I live in West Virginia. We've had a different way that we've dealt with things here. We have a smaller population. And so maybe we haven't had some of the challenges that other people have faced. Take me through the last 18 to 20 months or so and, and the biggest lesson that you've taken away from the time that we've spent in the pandemic and maybe something that you have done differently that after this is over with, you're going to continue to do from it. Oh, wow. Okay. Lots of good questions there. Um, yeah. You know, for us, the interesting thing for my family with the last, let's say, 18 months or two years uh, is, you know, we've all kind of been in this trauma, right? Like the world shutting down and dealing with COVID, I think is trauma for the whole world. And we're all kind of going to see the effects of that. My family actually also, right, so about a year before the pandemic, experienced a trauma when there was a shooting at our kid's school. And so interestingly for us, like we felt like we were kind of just starting to come out of that experience and feel like, okay, we're getting back to normal a little bit. And then the pandemic hit. And so then we went, kind of went back into, into that sort of mode of like, okay, we're just trying to survive at this point. Let's just do what we got to do and, and, you know, have kids at home and shift a little bit. So we've been in, we've been in a lot. It's been really kind of an interesting season for us. My wife's also, she was in school for a couple of years there. And so that was kind of a, uh, dynamic, right. Change in the yeah. family, um, which was great. I'm glad she did it, but it also meant got to pick up some more kinds of things. Um, yeah. so I kind of have two perspectives. I have like that perspective where like, yeah, that's the thing business wise, not much really changed for me. I was really happy to welcome the rest of the world to the zoom culture, right? Like of yeah. meeting people I've been meeting ever since. I Join me podcast. here in this medium, yeah. will it's, you? <laughs> it's great. I do this all the time. Uh, you know, as a podcaster, I, I literally talk to people all over the world, yeah. um, you know, on zoom. And I think that's fantastic. And I'm glad that it's kind of more culturally aware. Now we all kind of know how to do zoom, even if we still do the thing like, Hey, can you hear me? You know, all that stuff. Um, yeah, your, so your that, internet's fading out, especially here right. in West Virginia, because it's, you know, you know, we, internet is, is, is kind of a luxury for us. I mean, it's, right. you know, it's, it's not something that, that we have great success with here, you know, even though everybody needs it, we don't, <laughs> you know, right. It, it's yeah. like, we, but Eric, I, let me jump in here for a second. You mentioned the shooting at your kid's school, that in and of itself, I, I want to kind of divert here for just a minute. 
Take me through the encouragement that you had to provide your kids around that. Mm. Because there there's a couple of things as a parent of a college student. There's a couple of things that that that, that my mind is going to right now. And, I, and I'd love for you to share your thoughts around it. The first thing is, 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 is getting them past maybe the survivor's guilt or the, the fear of it happening again. And, and the, the, the second part of, of how I'm, I'm thinking around this is the encouragement that, Hey, this was a one-time event in your life. Yes, it was traumatic. You'll never forget it, but encouraging them that life goes on and that we have to get back up and dust ourselves off and go about our day. How did you and your wife lead your kids through something like that? I mean, that, that to me is, is just a horrifically unfathomable thing to have to lead your kids through. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And uh, just to imagine what could happen. Now, we were fortunate. All of our kids were totally okay they weren't terribly close to the action um and didn't i don't think even heard things they did have traumatic things like uh swat teams coming into their rooms and checking the room with their guns right um that was sort of scary it was really heartbreaking when our i think he was in was he in second grade maybe he was in third grade um and he showed us he showed us the spot where he was hiding under the desk, right under the mm. under a table. Like that's just as a parent, you can't really put into words how um, just disturbing that is in your spirit. But the um, to go to what you were were asking about how shepherding the kids. You know, my wife is an advocate, and that's really one of her core traits. And so she took the lead on that. She was like, "Okay, we got to get." Uh, them all the things that they need. Um, fortunately, Colorado, I'm guessing, I, d I don't know this for sure. So if somebody facts checks this, that's okay. But I think in response to the Columbine tragedy 20 some years ago now, um, they had set up a fund for counseling for um, victims of, of that, of shootings like that. Yeah. And for some reason, Colorado's had, I think, more than its fair share of, of shootings. Someday I'm going to have to study that. But uh, so we were able to take advantage of that and get the kids counseling, um, you know, talk to them. I, I think, um, yeah, mostly that was that was probably our biggest thing. And then just kind of help them navigate the trauma of trying to be like, okay, your school year is over three, three, three weeks early, right? You're not, you're not going back. You don't get the closure. And so that's kind of happened a couple of times now with, so we had that one year and then we had COVID the next year and, uh, it's been kind of, kind of disruptive. And I'll tell you what, that their generation is going to be probably the most resilient generation we've seen in a long time because they've had to deal with a lot, even as children. I love what you said there. And I'm, I'm just jotting that down the most resilient generation, because I, I believe you're right uh, about that because and Eric, I've said this on other podcasts, and 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 for those of you listening, forgive me if I continue to go back to this, but but you've led into it so beautifully, so I want to touch on it. I believe that for us, our generation, I'm I'm 49. For me, the defining moment of my generation in my lifetime is 9/11, September 11, 2001, and I have said for my 21 year old. 
the defining moment of his generation is going to be March the 12th or 13th, 2020, when the world shut down. Right. When literally overnight, colleges shut down for two, you know, Marshall University, where my son went to school, goes to school. They immediately shut down for two weeks. They immediately just halted all in-person and virtual classes because they needed to figure it out. They just immediately shut down. You know, grocery stores shut down. Churches shut down. Everything shut down. So that's the defining. I, I believe that's going to be the defining moment for their generation. But you're right. I, and that's why I asked you the question that I did, because I see so many ways that business has evolved. You talked about Zoom a few minutes ago. Yeah. Zoom becoming so incredibly popular that that everybody, you know, I have a Zoom call. And it, it just, it's like Google, right? It's, you know, well, let's Google yeah. this or some, you know, now Zoom is just, you know, when you, when you say the word Zoom, people automatically can think it's a meeting or, or a call between people in different parts of the country. They're different parts of the world. When you think about, let's go here for a second. Let's talk about our faith for just a minute, because I, I believe it's, you've, you've, you've touched on something that's really important. What do you feel is going to be the legacy of the resiliency of our faith mm. through these times? Because we, we look in the scripture and we see, you know, I'm reading in Romans right now and I'm reading about the apostle Paul and all the things that he went through. And, and there's a thread through the new Testament where the apostle Paul is very resilient, even though he goes through a lot of things. You, you see the Apostle Paul's resiliency come to the surface. He continues on in spite of the things that right. he's gone through. When, when you look at the people you talk to, maybe where you're at, where do you see the resiliency of faith coming out of COVID? Now, I hope I asked that question correctly. Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. And it's another one I've been thinking about a lot, right? Because uh, I believe in new media. Like you, you said, we have this great opportunity to share our messages around the world. That's why I lead Christian Podcasters Association because I know that um, the more uh, Christians that I can help take that step to find their voice and share the gospel in their niche, whatever that is, like could be all kinds of different. We have people who do widely divergent kinds of podcasts, but they're sharing the gospel in their way with their people, right? I think that's how, how it goes out uh, throughout the, the world. Uh, having said that, I believe all that. I was honestly a little disappointed with the sort of COVID response for most churches, particularly the ones that were saying, Hey, uh, you know, basically we're going to put our, just put our service online and then that's going to be our response. Um, Cause I think social media, for instance, is designed to be social, right? There's a, there's a whole new way that people learn and, and interact. So when you ask about the legacy, what I think COVID demonstrated to a lot of people is that the structures that we've had, um, were really good for maybe the last 500 years, but perhaps uh, it's time to entertain the option to adjust and shift some of those. Um, I can give you an example if you want. Like oh, there's a great article co conveniently timed in like November of 2019 by, uh, he wouldn't have known, but by Sky Jatani who hosts the Holy Post podcast. He's one of the guys yeah. on there. And he wrote a, a article at, at premiere called the case against sermon centric Sundays. And in that, what he proposed, he's a preacher. And so he admits like, it's kind of hard for him to, 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 yeah. to do that. But he goes, look, people can get better sermons through podcasting and other tools 
then they can get it at church. So maybe we don't need to do so much of that, but we need to give people as an experience. This, by the way, is the same problem movie theaters are, are going to have to address, right? Give them an experience they can't get anyplace else. So same thing I, with Matt, I got to jump in here. I love what yeah. you said there because the, the thing about it is, and, and, I, and I love how you address movie theaters because movie theaters had to adapt and change. It had right. to be someplace that was, that was a step up from what you could get at home. Right. You know, or, you know, Hey, uh, why are you going to sit at your house and watch this when we got these nice reclining seats, we've got the atmosphere, you know, you need to come here and take it in because we've got the surround sound right. and things like that. And, and, and Eric, I think you hit on a really good point and I want to go here for just a minute before we take a break. A lot of the 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 a lot of the reason that church is fantastic is is the experience of being together. The Bible says, "Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together." There's right. energy when people come together, as they did in Acts chapter two in the upper room. The Bible says they were in one mind and one accord. They were in one place, one mind, one accord. And there's an energy there when people come together in like-mindedness of spirit. But I, I'll be honest with you. When I watch services online, I had to kind of make myself get into the moment because I was literally walking from my bedroom to okay. my living room. And I would, you know, I would try, you know, I was like, okay, do I dress up for church? Well, let, let me put, at least put on a pair of jeans and a, and a button-down shirt Instead of what I'm wearing now, which is joggers and a, and if you're watching on YouTube, a Cincinnati right. Bengals Nike shirt. But, you know, you know, or or people would go, well, let me just roll out of bed and go to church. And they're in your pajamas. Like, I would never do that if I was going to church. You know, I, I still wear a suit and tie to church. So, I mean, it's, you know, but but I, I feel like we miss, I, I love what you said there. And that's why I wanted to, to just dive a little bit deeper there. You hit on something really good is that I think a lot of churches are saying, well, hey, this is great. We can do this differently and maybe we don't have to right. pour as many resources into the to the in-person experience and we can throw more resources there. And I think there's a danger there of putting all your eggs in that basket. I'll go there for a minute, if you will, because mm. you, you just hit on something really, really important. Yeah, yeah well, so I think particularly in America, and I'm really cognizant that this is an American evangelical problem. So uh, in a lot of ways, what we've made our church services, this is not true for every church, but the um, a majority, a good number, uh, we've made them sort of this show on Sunday morning, right? The band gets up and they sing, and then the guy, it's depending on your tradition, usually a guy, gets up and talks about scripture for a half hour, 45 minutes, right? And that's fine. We need that. The problem is the, you also hear the same people start to discuss the fact that they, they don't think that Christians are being discipled well, but that's the main part of the way that they're trying to make other disciples is by preaching at them every Sunday for 45 minutes, right? It's not working. And so what we need to do is think about our services in, or at the times that we're gathering a little bit differently. The church has historically done this every 500 or so years, certainly with the invention of um, you know, new technologies, aka the printing press and the internet, right? Those things kind of adjust and evolve. And I think we're in the middle of that right now. 
I'd love to see personally services that, uh, or times to gather more focused on, uh, communion, the Lord's supper, the Eucharist, whatever you want to call it. And also maybe more of a conversation. I'm kind of a conversation guy. So yeah. I would love to see, um, uh, the next time I get up in front of a, a congregation, which I don't do often, but I have, um, I would love to form that as a conversation and say, look, okay, we're going to have a conversation, us and the Bible, you and me, all of us in the Lord, we're going to talk about this and let's see what this is like. And I think it'd be a quite a different experience, but it's also takes into account our mission to make, to help people be more uh, better disciples of Jesus and uh, the ways people learn. I think we need to do that. I, 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 I'm there with you and, and I, I want to step aside and take a break, but I want to just stay here for just another second or two. I'm a part of our worship team on Sunday mornings. I'm a part of the praise band. I, I play keyboard to me. I want to bring my best to those, those 300 or 400 people that I'm playing for. Obviously I want to bring my best to the Lord. But those people are coming together to worship the Lord. And that may be the only chance that they get to, to be with like-minded brothers and sisters in, during that week. And so I feel a responsibility that the first note I hit on the keyboard, I got to be on. Like I've got to be, I've got to be on because those people in some ways are depending on me to help lead them into the presence of the Lord and, and, and for, for, for Jesus to come and, and be in our midst. And I, and Eric, I've always felt that responsibility. And I love what you said about the way we structure church. Now it's like, well, let, let's get it started with some kicking tunes and then let's, let's transition to a, a, a message. And we've almost, it's almost become a playbook, so to speak. Yeah. And look, that is historically rooted, right? Like if you, I mean, this is the Wesley model, right? Wesley kind of ran around and around and did that, right? That he kind of pioneered that. That's okay. It's, it's all right. Um, I just think we need to, we need to do that. And look, let me tell you this. I'm just going to really, just want to really clearly say, I appreciate pastors. The reality is they, uh, church staffs everywhere. We're also going through, through, trauma yeah. trying to figure out what to do and scrambling. I get it. And so I have a lot of compassion for that. Um, and I understand why maybe there wasn't a huge amount of imagination <laughs> in some of those, those contexts, but I think we have an opportunity and I think that's what COVID's kind of, kind of brought out. And I also think we need to start taking into account what people, how people learn. Um, I'm not a pastor. I, so I didn't have those responsibilities. Right. So I, I just wanted to say, that and just acknowledge it. Yeah, it, I get it. It was hard, uh, but hey, there's an opportunity out here. I love where this conversation's going. Let's step aside, take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about Eric's podcast, the Halfway There podcast, and and get some thoughts around podcasting. Look, if if you are a podcaster yourself or you're thinking about maybe doing a podcast, Eric may have some ideas for you and some encouragement for you. But this is a fantastic conversation with my guest. Eric Nevins, joining me on the Intentional Encourage podcast back in just a moment.
Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you, as a business owner, can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Eric, let's get into your podcast, the Halfway There podcast. I know why I started this podcast, the Intentional Encourager podcast. Take me through where the idea came from for your podcast and and if you would what have you taken away from podcasting that you didn't think would would was an unintended benefit of doing your podcast yeah so i started my show so my background is in um spiritual formation so i for i've wanted to be a pastor for a long time I got a master of divinity to be a pastor. And then I graduated kind of in the beginning of the, the great recession. And that was not a good time to be looking for jobs. Right. Uh, so I ended up seeing the financial world, a lot of things happened, but that eventually I ended up clicking a bunch of electronic buttons and listening to podcasts all day. And that's how I fell in love with the medium. Um, but I wanted to contribute to that spiritual formation conversation. You know, here it was, you know, mo- better part of a decade after I was in school and I just still wanted to do something that would serve Christians. Uh, and so what I did is I ended up, it was a long process, it took me two years, but I ended up starting a show called Halfway There. It's one, that name is kind of one part hat tip to Bon Jovi. Cause I figure if you can leave singing, uh, you know, living on a prayer, then you probably won't forget the name of the show. And uh, one part just saying, hey, we're, we're always on the journey, no matter where we are. So I um, want to take, I have people come on, I ask them to go through their story, I walk them through it, I talk about the highs and the lows and everything in between. I often talk about the dark night of the soul. I'll ask that question almost every episode. Have you experienced the dark night of the soul or gone through the spiritual desert? Because I believe the spiritual journey is longer, wider, and deeper than we've been told. Most most churches can only take you so far. Uh, and then you have to kind of figure it out from, from there. And I wanted to encourage people to go, Hey, this is normal. God's people have been struggling with it for yeah. millennia. Right. So it's okay. And here's a story about how somebody overcame that. Well, and, and here's the thing. Life has those same components. Right. It's not, it's not just exclusive to Christians. You know, everybody in life, and this is what I tell people, Eric, I I say this, I said, look, if you haven't gone through something, just wait. Life at some point will take you through. And man, the first time I really experienced something, um, I was, I was 30 when, when I lost the the guy was my best man in my wedding that hit me. And then a couple of years later, my father-in-law passed away, but man, the last 
10 years losing my dad and losing jobs. And I mean, I really understand how, to your point, you can feel like life is, you know, it, it's literally the sunshine before the hurricane. Right. You know, or, you know, you have, you know, you're, you're going out for dinner or something like that and you come home and your house is on fire. You know, and, and so I love what you said about that. What have you learned from the responses that you've gotten from folks around that question? Because, man, I've had people tell me things on this podcast and they go, I've never shared this before. Or yeah. they, they've said to me, let me take you, let me tell you about the time I overcame can't. I, I had a recent podcast where a guy said, yeah, I, I, I got swine flu and found out I had a, a rare disease that causes sudden death. And I had to get a pacemaker put in. So yeah, you, you find, what have you found out from that question that were those V8 moments? Like, man, I didn't realize that. You know, what I've learned is that God is always working and he's using things that I might otherwise be tempted to be a little bit scornful of. Right. So like, I can't tell you how many people I've heard um, who've, whose lives have been changed by somebody in like a, a campus ministry or yeah, three or four people. I mean, I'm, so maybe 260 episodes or so. And I've had at least three people whose families or personally were, came to Christ because of Billy Graham. Right. Like really like in 250 episodes, like that's not that many. Um, so it seems like a, seems like an awful lot, especially considering his, the bulk of his ministry is what 40, 40 years ago. Right. Um, that's pretty interesting. I think there, there are other, you know, there's lots of other things also that God is working even when you don't know. One of my favorite stories to relay is a guy named Dan Rudman, who I was fortunate enough to interview my first year. He was in college uh, and his RA decided to show a Josh McDowell film and mm. about relationships. He was like, Oh, I'm kind of interested in those. And he, as a result of that, he ended up giving his life to Christ a couple of weeks later, never saw the RA again. And so the RA has no idea that the guy, that his faithful action of sharing the Josh McDowell film, 12 students showed up, whatever, actually brought somebody to Christ who turned out to be an evangelist. And he's preached the gospel around the world to literally millions of people, right? Because that's what he does. Wow. He, so I, I learned from that, like, oh, okay, just be faithful with the thing that you are called to do and let leave the results to God because you don't know what's going to actually happen. Have you had a moment on your podcast where it was a blowback moment where, where somebody just told you something, shared something with you that made you kind of sit back in your chair and just go, Oh my goodness. What oh, yeah. that was, a what just happened there? Take me through a moment like that, that you can recall pretty easily. Man, trying to remember just one, right? In 260 episodes, there's a lot of them. I know, right? I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're pushing 200 here. So, I mean, yeah, you, you, I get it. I think just about every episode, there's there's something that somebody tells me that I'm like, wow, that really blows me away. I'll, I'll tell you one. I recently interviewed a woman named Christina Dent. She'd be a great guest for your show, by the way. Uh, and she Thank had an organization called uh, End It For Good. And she's working to... Um, kind of overturn our drug policy or reshape our drug, the U S drug policy, which is kind of weird for a Christian, right? Like we, you know, most of us are like, Hey, if you do drugs, you do the time, right? Well, that hits close to home because 
you know, we're, you know, 15 minutes away from where I live, there's, there's a lot of people that would consider Huntington, West Virginia, the epicenter of the drug epidemic. Mm, yeah. And so, yeah, that, that, that hits yeah. really close to home there. So, yeah. Well, she, she said something really interesting. She said, um, that people, we got to change our assumptions about why people do drugs. Like we, the, the assumption often, especially in Christian circles is, well, they do drugs because they're bad people. They're sinful, right? Which we're not going to argue about sin, but the, that's not why people do drugs. Usually people do drugs because they're trying to escape some sort of trauma. They're trying to deal with trauma. And so then what we do is we, we catch them and then we lock them up, which sending people to prison is actually a traumatic event. So we're trying to heal trauma with trauma. And that just sent me like, wow. Okay. That is a good point. And yes, she, she convinced me that we absolutely need to change this in some way. Um, great. So, the story of how she got there is really fascinating how she changed her mind. And I, I love her work, but that's that kind of stuff happens all the time. You know, that just blows me away. What's your biggest piece of encouragement for podcasters today? I, I'm going to ask you this question later, but it's a good time to ask what encouragement do you have for, for podcasters? Yeah. For podcasters, I would tell them, uh, look, it's a slow growth medium for most of them. Um, you know, we're not, we're not going to have Joe Rogan numbers, right? Millions and millions of, of listens, but, uh, the average podcast has 124 downloads within 30 days of release. Right. So that doesn't seem like very many, but if you imagine 124 people in your living room, that's an awful lot of people, right? If you, if you had a book signing and you showed up at a Barnes and Noble or someplace, and 124 people showed up, you'd be pretty pleased with that, right? So it's a pretty good crowd. Um, you learn to, you know, do the things you got to do to develop that, but then you can you can grow beyond that if you're patient. And it's worth doing, you know, your, your message, you're going to grow in ways that you would not have expected uh, just by finding your voice. So that's that would be my encouragement. Eric, I've made some really good friends that started out yeah. as guests on, on podcast and that relationship just grew and grew. And people ask me, they say, why do you, why do you podcast? And I say, because of the connections you can make and the people that can come into your life that right. become great friends. Well, I'll tell you what, that's been the thing that really probably surprised me the most about podcasting. I didn't really expect it. When I started, I was working at a bank. I call that bank jail. I was going to a cube <laughs> six by six cube every day. Uh, Willingly, but it's, uh, that I didn't care about networking when I worked there. Right. Cause it didn't yeah. seem to do much good for me. But when I started my podcast, man, I've had a chance to meet so many people just before this call, I was sending off interview requests to a couple of authors, some of them books that I'm like, I need to read that. And they'll, they'll show up, you know, they'll, I'm sure the publicist will get me connected and I'll get to talk to those people. Um, I, I've gotten to talk to people like Oz Guinness. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's yeah, like he was one of his books is one of the reasons that sent me on this kind of journey where I decided to tell stories instead of, um, you know, trying to tell people what to think, you know, or the, you should believe this because of the Bible. I was like, no, what if we just tell stories instead? I find them more powerful. I actually got to share that with him and I don't know how impressed he was with <laughs> with it but he, he did say yes yeah, stories are how culture we shape a culture and that 
Um, so it was pretty cool to, to do that. You know, the, the, the funny, the funny thing is we'll step aside, take a break was when I started my podcast and I reached out to friends of mine and I would say, Hey, would you come on my podcast? And they, and, and they, they were like, yeah. And then they begin to say, Hey, you need to reach out to this person and have them on your, just like you did a few minutes ago. Right. You need to reach out and, and, and get with this person. And the connections have been, uh, like I'm a, I am a, I, I I've always loved Zig Ziglar. Mm -hmm. And the coolest thing for me has been getting to know his son, Tom. And Tom's oh, cool. been on this podcast a couple of times and we've, we've struck up a great friendship and, and, um, you know, that's been the cool thing is, is getting to meet people and talk to people and, and, and then just continuing that conversation offline or shooting them a text or something like that. That's been really cool. Let's step Very aside cool. and take a break. Cause I want to be sure to save time. You, you hit on it just a minute ago being in bank jail. So I want to hear a little bit more about that. <laughs> But I want you to get into your story and, and tell folks your story and some obstacles that you've overcome. Um, my guest, Eric Nevins, the host of the Halfway There podcast and a podcast coach, speaker, joining me today on the Intentional Courage podcast. Back in just a moment. Hey, everybody. Brian Sexton. I want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People. 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew. And he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger deeper and more powerful connector, you've got to pick up a copy of People Buy From People. There are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector. You can go to Amazon and pick it up, Kindle if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way, or now available on Audible. And there's one other way you can get a copy of People Buy From People. You can get one from me and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email and I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of people buy from people. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Eric, let's get into your story. And I want you to go as far back as you want to go from point A to point B in the, in the last few minutes that we have remaining. And you've been so gracious with your time. Um, just take me through your story. Yeah. So I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa. And that with a Christian family, we were that family that was at church all the time, always involved in some way. Um, and that was it. I, I really, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an actor. Um, so I've always kind of wanted to, wanted to be on the mic in some way. Um, ended up going, met, met and married my high school sweetheart. And then we went to Chicago and went to Trinity International University, got a degree in biblical studies because I decided I wanted to be a pastor. And that journey um, was an interesting little uh, experience of, of shaping me because I, I discovered... Um, kind of in that time, I started studying discipleship. I started studying spiritual formation. 
And I've always had this kind of question about like, well, how do we actually grow? I would see uh, our people at church. We kind of would just do the same thing year after year after year, right? And we would never, nobody, I never saw any real like, how are we changing? I, I couldn't see it. And so I wanted to study that, uh, which is what eventually led me to seminary to, to do a degree. So I like to say that I, I went to college to learn to study the Bible and seminary to learn how to pray. And those are the two things evangelicals will tell you to do, right? Read your Bible and pray. Yeah. Nobody will teach you how to do that. You got to get a degree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, uh, so that's, that's what I did. Um, that's kind of the foundation. So I, I got alluded to the story earlier, but I graduated during the downturn and that was a really tough time when, you know, trying to figure out how I'm going to pay off my school loans, wanting to be in ministry, not quite sure how to do that. And then um, working at a bank for, you know, I was there a total of 13 years. So it was probably eight years after, after I graduated, bouncing people's checks. Let me tell you, that leaves a little scar on your soul when you bounce people, when your yeah. job is to ruin people's day all day, every day. I did things like visa fraud, looking for transactions that are fraud and things like that, um, which is interesting. It was definitely fascinating, but my heart was not there. So when I discovered podcasting, that was really something that I thought I could do. And I'll never forget a night when I was working overtime, trying to make money to pay off my school loans. It was like eight o'clock and I talked to this customer and as we were wrapping up, he said, you know, you've got a really good voice for radio. You should, you should be in radio. I was like, Oh, thanks. I have no idea how to do that. I don't, but thank you. I maybe someday. And it wasn't just a couple of years later that I, that I was like, Oh, I discovered podcasting. It's like, that's a thing that maybe yeah. I could do and I could get into it. I already had some uh, equipment like a mic and things from when I was into music. And so I was able to do that and kind of the rest is history. Let me ask you something. When you think back to that conversation, did you come away from that? Because I had people before I started my podcast, they said, you should start a podcast. And I'm like, so what do I do it on? Sports, sales? What, what do I do yeah. it on? You know, and, and you kind of vacillate. I don't know if you did this, Eric, but I did. I, I vacillated oh, yeah. a lot. And I was like, yeah, I'll start it or I'll, you know, I'll get some research. And, you know, I was like, yeah, it's it'd be a good idea. But you were talking so vividly about that moment. Did it feel like for you that that was your moment of clarity, like that moment of that's it? Because some people, they they kind of get to that point at some point, but most people have that defining moment. And it sounded to me like when you were telling that story, that was your defining moment. It was one of them for sure. I think I have a series of them. So, so that moment, there was there were a few others where I realized – um, cause I would literally sit in my, in my desk and listen to hours and hours of podcasts or audiobooks, And so I was trying to figure out what kind of style of show would I have? What would I do? What would I like? And so at the time, John Lee Dumas, entrepreneurs on fire, he's, you know, kind of big in the podcasting world. Yeah. Um, I've gotten to meet him by the way. He's great. But he, uh, you know, he had, at the time had a very, very rigid structure, right? He would ask the same questions of everybody. He was like, ah, and so a lot of people were emulating that. It's like, I don't really like that. And then he had a guest who was a friend of his, Michael O'Neill, who uh, has a different show called the Solopreneur Hour. And his show was much more conversational, right? And that's when I was like, oh, that I actually, 
I like that. I can, I can get behind that. So it was these little moments of discovering I could do that. I could do it that way. I've always said that. And I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like there is somebody sitting in an invisible chair next to me. And I said this on a podcast. I feel like there's an invisible chair sitting next to me and somebody's sitting in it and they're, they're watching us have this conversation and I'm feeling a little invisible tap on my shoulder going, ask him that, ask him that. I really would want to know a little bit more about that. And, and that's what I've said to people. I've said, look, listeners want to be involved in a conversation. They don't want to witness an interrogation right? Be, because that gets tedious. That gets, I have to think I have to, and, and, and I just, the best conversations, Eric, like this one, we've gone into a lot of different things right. and it's just been very free flowing. And you said things that I'm like, I got to find out a little bit more about that. I've got to, I've got to, to, to ask you about that. I want to ask you this as we pivot real quick, take me through the biggest obstacle that you faced in your life and, and the biggest lesson you overcame and learned from it. Man. Well, in some ways, I think I am my own biggest obstacle, you know, like I, so it took me two years to start my podcast because I wasn't sure that I could do it. You know, I thought that it had to be perfect in order for it to be valuable. Um, and I was listening to a whole bunch of podcasters who either have teams or had been doing it for a long time. Right. And so I, my standard was incredibly high. And so I wasn't, wasn't sure that I could do it. I'll never forget when I launched, I'd chosen a date and I was an elder at my church at the time. We we're having a meeting and we're asking for prayer requests. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to ask for this. And I asked him for prayer for the launch of the show. And um, I was almost crying because I was so scared. I was like scared to share it with this group of guys that I know they care about me and I care about them. Like it was, you know, not even a intimidating atmosphere, but I, I was terrified. Yeah. And so I think often that, that kind of, maybe it's imposter syndrome, maybe it's some, something else is probably my biggest obstacle 90% of the time. If I can just get over that, I'm struggling with it right now. I'm trying to do an event and it's ticking me off how long it's taken me to do, right? Because I want it to be a certain way and I can't get it, you know, that way. And I've wasted a bunch of time. There's all these things, but the reality is if I just do it, um, it's going to, it's going to be a great event, even if it's scaled back from what I would like it to be. Yeah. I'm still going to serve a whole bunch of people and they're going to be encouraged. And that actually is my mission. That's the thing that I'm supposed to do. So trying to keep that in view is, is really helpful. Well, Eric, here's the thing too. If, if I go back and I watch early episodes, I've got a terrible camera, right? My microphone's not where I want it to be. You know, I, I had to figure out this stuff. Like, like there are things that are still not perfect. They're good, you know, and, and then I listen to the show that I, I produce and I'm like, yeah, that, that turned out really good. But I look back at earlier episodes and I'm like, man, I've come so far. And knowing if I'd known then what I know now, I wouldn't have wasted money and time. And right. you, you just learn things. And, 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 and Eric, I, you know, I see what you're saying. Well, I, I don't yeah, think, go ahead. Yeah. I don't think your audience wants you to be perfect either. And that's something I had to, I had to learn, you know, 
So for, for what it's worth, I get in trouble when I, when I mention him, but for a long time growing up, my mom, well, she still was, but my mom was a big fan of Rush Limbaugh, right? So take the politics and just set those aside. I'm not as conservative as once I was either, but um, the thing Rush would do is he would, first of all, his music was amazing, right? So it would come in and you knew it was him. Yeah. And that's a genius radio trick. Like if you, if you just learn that thing, that's really good. Second thing is sometimes he would come in and start talking and he'd still be talking to the booth or I don't know if he was making somebody up or yeah. you know, who knows. Right. But it did, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't the perfect, like, here we are ready to go. Right. It was, Oh yeah. Well, you know, what about that? Okay. And then he would turn his attention and he did that for a reason and he did it consistently. He didn't do it because even that the conversation mattered so much my, is my guess. My guess is he was letting you in. He was letting the listener feel. You know something about like Rush. He was the curtain back. Well, and, and forgive me for interrupting, but you know it's something about Rush too. I noticed in later years that Rush became more deflective. He he started having more guests. Granted, they were from the political world, but he started having more guests. And when people would call in, he became more deflective to the guest. It wasn't about you got through to me. It was. I saw an appreciation out of Rush Limbaugh the last three or four years of his life that was like, you know what? I have been very blessed and and fortunate that you people have stuck by me all these years, that you have stayed through the mm -hmm. ups, through the because Rush Limbaugh, you know, he he went through. You talked about he he went through drug addiction. He went through um, the 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 deal with ESPN where he, where he made the oh, despairing yeah. he got fired from espn rush he went through failed marriages he went through a lot of things that that in the he was in the personal spotlight and people wanted to take him out and he just continued to survive and i think what i sensed about it eric was he became more he became more grateful and reflective yeah and, and and that's great encouragement. I'm glad you brought that up because it's great encouragement for podcasters to to remind yourself that yes, you have a show and you're the host, but remember that when people choose to download your episode, they're making a choice and and, and stay grateful to yeah. your audience and stay stay focused. Go ahead. I you got well, some hundred percent. I, I agree. I suspect that in, in Russia's case, he, as his health was failing, that he was a bit more contemplative and uh, yeah. And that's, and that's kind of true for all of us, but yeah, you, it, it is good to keep your audience in mind, right? You're it's, it's always a grateful thing. I often start my show by saying, I'm glad you downloaded. Thank you for downloading. Right. Like you, you're listening to this episode. There are 2 million podcasts you know, maybe a quarter of that is active, but you could listen to a lot of things, right? And you chose to listen to this show and I appreciate that. I'm going to do my best to make sure you get an encouraging conversation that tells you some great stories that makes you wonder at, at what God can do and yeah. we'll, we'll take it from there. So that's what I try to do. Eric, I asked you your biggest piece of intentional encouragement for podcasters. Mm. But do you have an, a piece of intentional encouragement to share with with somebody that may be a salesperson, uh, business owner, somebody who's just driving around? What, what what piece of intentional encouragement comes to your mind? You know, it's a little bit of a cliche, but I'm finding that it's really true. And I would say you need to be true to yourself, no matter um, 
who, who you are, what job you're in, what you're called upon to do. Um, you've got to know deep in your soul that what you're doing is the right thing to do. Um, cause that's going to come out, you know, and it's okay if you, so like in my case, I knew that starting a podcast was the right thing to do. I faced so many things that would kind of knock you off the, knock me off the pedestal, but I knew I had to do it. And if I didn't do it, um, I wouldn't have been true to, to where I wanted to, who I wanted to be. Uh, if you don't have that, I don't think you have much in, in the world, right? All kinds of things can change. Relationships can change. Jobs can change all kinds of other things, but you have to know who you are. I think, I think obviously God plays a big part in that. There's lots of other things, but, uh, find your heart and, and do that. Um, sorry, that's a little cliche, but I think. No, it's, it, it's spot on. It, it's spot on because a, a lot of people don't know where their truth lies. A lot of people don't know what, what truth looks like to them and, and, and it takes them a long time to I, get there. So yeah. I really think a lot of people don't know themselves. And that's yeah, it's a good point. What I'm getting at, like you, you have a self. It's okay to have a self, mm-hmm. um, and to and to know that. And I think one of the things that's good about the internet is more people are having the opportunity to discover themselves. This is why I tell podcasters like get started and do it because as you talk on the microphone, as you talk to guests, you're going to discover an awful lot about who you are, yeah, and what you yeah. care about, and that's a good thing. Well, and, and it's repetition. It's doing it and doing it, and you know. Every podcast is different. Every episode is like I, I we we spent the first twenty minutes or so today talking about faith and and talking about the different nuances and layers and 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 I loved it and and that to me is the crux of great conversation. Tell folks where they can find your podcast, how they can connect with you, because um, you're you're going to want to probably download Eric's podcast and, and subscribe to the podcast. I would love that. So the best place to go, first of all, you're in the podcast app. So you can just flip over and search for halfway there. You'll find it. Um, Otherwise, if you want to connect with me, the best place to go is halfwaytherepodcast.com. That's my show notes uh, archives. You'll see the latest nine episodes. You can scroll back and find other things as well. Um, Lots and lots of good stuff there. And I have a free download too. It's called uh, What to Do When You're Mad at God. So if you have ever struggled with that you can find it and that that's free so man that's awesome that is so good eric nevins it has been so good having you today on the intentional courage podcast i appreciate what you shared with us and thank you for joining me today thanks for having me brian My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.